So one of our partners uh, is in Nigeria. Uh, he's a pastor we work with in Jos uh, under heavy persecution. And we have had uh, a training there, and uh, we had a breakout session yesterday talking about how this medical model of training in nationals um, is a door opener in highly persecuted areas. So he faces Boko Haram and, and ISIS. So could you come up and pray for us before we get started? You'll understand why I'd ask him to pray is because uh, I want him to read my Bible to me and then I'll have it in audio Bible. He has such a, a powerful voice. So could you pray for us, my brother from Nigeria? That's right. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for the privilege of having one another and sharing this beautiful fellowship. Thank you for the divine appointments you are giving us and for all that you have in store for us for the coming days. Our God and our Father, as we spend this time to reflect on what you are doing around the nations, on the churches you are planting and the men you are bringing into the kingdom, we plead with you, O God, that your light will shine in our hearts and that Father will receive encouragement Our hearts will be helped. Where there is darkness, your light will shine. Where there is fear, may we receive comfort and courage. We pray for your son that will be leading this discussion. Endow him with the spirit of excellence. And let his mind walk according to the direction of your Holy Spirit. For every ear and every heart that is here listening and hearing, Dear Father, we pray that you speak to us according to the needs of our hearts. And at the end, O God, empower us to do your will. And where the enemy stands on our way, eternal Father, we ask that you take up our battles and fight for us. And at the end, may you be glorified. Thank you, blessed God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What did I say? <coughs> so, so he's awesome. <coughs> uh, so... I really feel that uh, we've been chosen as a divine appointment today, and I, I just thank you for getting up so early to do that. Um, and we need to be a light. And sometimes the challenges we face with that is cultures, right? How many of you are physicians or healthcare workers? Most of you. How many of you have been on short-term missions before? Okay. How many of you have done uh, big clinics where you go and you serve lines of people? Okay. So that's basically the model that, um, that I ran with for some time until I, I met these beautiful partners. Um, and what we're going to do today is I'm going to share a little bit about what Teach to Transform does. It's a like-minded ministry with some of the other ones you've heard around here with uh, iTech and Power Approach who does dental trainings. iTech does uh, medical uh, trainings. And actually John is here with us, so he's, he's with iTech. So we uh, work together in many areas of the world. So um, this model is one that we've all guarded uh, very closely with our vision, um, and that is to equip uh, believers around the world with medical and vocational skills to share the gospel. Very simple. But there's a lot of challenges that come with that, and we rely on our partners. So as many of you know, when you go into these cultures, we may, when cultures collide with the Western culture and the, and the global south, it's a very tough situation to get into. So I want to refer you to a couple of resources uh, Paul, who works with East West and Jennifer, referred this book to me. It's called Mission Drift. Great book for any organization. 
because it teaches you about staying focused on your vision and how easy it is to get off uh, course. And I'll tell you a story here in a little bit about how we met East West Ministries, who's a powerful ministry. So Mission Drift, it's by Peter Greer. Highly recommend the fact that uh, they empower through church planning nationals. The other is a book that we ask our team uh, to read, Foreign to Familiar. Any of you familiar with this book? Uh, Sarah Lanier, it's a quick read, and it talks about dividing the world into a warm climate, cold climate. The global north, which is U.S., Europe, we're all time-oriented. Our, our partners in the global south are warm climate people, which are about relationships. So, you know, a lot of times I'll say something that is culturally inappropriate, and I rely on my partners to do that. So when we talk, you know, I'm in a stage of my life that I am uh, a grandparent, and I have... Uh, so my background's emergency medicine. I've been in practice for 35 years and just retired to do this full time. Um, and I'm an ordained minister here at Southeast. This is my home church. And the season of life I'm in is I have grandchildren. We have five of them. And every week we get them, and they're, they're a sermon. Every time I, I talk to them, they're just they're so fresh. So I was reading a story about uh, young children that they, uh, they had a, a little Sunday school class who said, I want you to draw a picture of the nativity. So everyone was drawn their little mangers, and they had Jesus and, and uh, Joseph and Mary. And uh, this one little boy, she walked up, and he had an airplane. And he said, uh, well, honey, what is this? I recognize uh, Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus. Who is that in the front of the plane? He says, well, that's Pontius the pilot. So, so, so children just, you know, when you say things, and children just immediately come up with their little interpretation. So, so just sweet. Uh, so, so I feel like that on the mission field. Sometimes when I'm engaging cultures, uh, and this mission drift and foreign to familiar will help you uh, with that process so you stay focused. In fact, foreign, uh, the mission drift talks about Harvard being a Christian school to start with. And as we all know, it's one of the most elite programs in the world, but it's really drifted from its Christian base, and uh, it's easy to do. So this is a, a good one. We've integrated a lot of our uh, policies based on this book so that we don't. So the next generation, if TTT comes along, they will have the same focus we do, is, and that is to teach you how to teach others and propagate the church planning movements. So um, let's move forward with this um, and see where we go. So <clears throat> when you talk about why you serve and, and, and what you do and how you do it, uh, I speak to the CMDA uh, at the university and I'll ask them what they did on their trip. And they tell me what they did and how they did it. But then I'll start asking them, uh, what kind of things did you do? And they saw medical, they sutured wounds, and they just are so, so excited about what they did and the compassion they showed. But I said, so where was Christ in that trip? And they get kind of quiet. And, well, we prayed with a few people. But where was the impact on the kingdom of heaven? How did you expand the kingdom of heaven through your work? And they get even quieter. So I say, well, you've got to call that a humanitarian trip. Because that's what it was. You did great work, but where is Christ in that picture? So we have to know why we do uh, what we do, and it has to be about Christ. This whole, this whole conference has been about being the branch, Christ being the vine, and then without him, you, you're just a stick with fake fruit. So, uh, so this partnership we, uh, we look for with organizations that are like-minded, like ITEC and Empower with the, through the dental and the vocational, we work together with the same mindset, and that is to empower nationals to reach out to the unreached and then share the gospel. And that's the end of the story, and we are at the beginning. And what I'm going to tell you is many of you have done these medical missions. It's going to be hard to hear, but um, we're not the answer to that. God gave, gave us a gift, 
that we're supposed to share to get into the hands of the courageous pastors um, who are on the front lines of Christianity. So you have to know why you're doing missions and ask yourself, is Christ in my mission work? And like me, it was all about pride when I first started. You know, I tell people I had my Job 38 moment in the ER after years of, uh, of wanting to be a good father, a good husband, and a good doctor. It was so prideful when I started mission work, it was the same pattern. It was all about me. I saw hundreds and hundreds of people. I came back. People said how wonderful I was. And I was, uh, you know, life was good. I was doing good things. But then Christ started working on me as to where are you at? Where am I in your mission work, Tom? So as we move forward here, um, we talk about if Christ is in the center, what, what is Christ, right? So the only hope for transformation is the love of Christ. Pastor Dogara talked about the persecution they face. Christians are being killed in the north from Boko Haram and ISIS. And the Christians are coming to the pastor and saying, when do we fight back? Well, how many times do we have to turn the cheek? So the Christians are now saying, uh, you know, it's time for us to rise up. And the answer is not, that, not violence. It's love. And how do you face, how do you present love on the mission field when you're being persecuted so heavily? So uh, John 3.16 tells us that God, uh, God so loved the world that he, he gave his only son. And then the other thing we have to ask is, well, what is love? And this, this track you can remember is John 3.16. First John 3.16 tells us the way we know love is that he gave his life, we must give our life. And what does that look like in love? So, you know, uh, when I first started uh, trying to come to my faith, I I've, uh, always thought Job, Job was, gosh, God was harsh on him. You know, he, he just beat up on him pretty badly. But then I started thinking about and getting a little deeper in Job 1.8. Uh, he says to, to the evil one, have you considered my servant? So he trusted Job with his testimony. He trusted Job would do the right thing. So I want you to put your name in there. Have you considered my servant, Tom, or whatever your name is? It, does God trust you with, with what he's given you in your testimony, which is a, a bridge to the gospel, and how you expand the kingdom of heaven with that? So with that, um, let's, let's see what that looks like and what God teaches us about that. See if I can get this to go forward here. So, when we look at how we should use our healthcare gift. So, when I was in the ER and I didn't have faith, I kept saying, "Where are you, God? I'm seeing these women being beaten, killed, families lose, uh, losing whole lives in car wrecks." And I said, "Where are you?" But when I came to my faith, God, I had my Job 38 moment, and that was God asked me, "Where were you, Tom, when I gave you the gift of medicine and you never once used it?" to share the gospel or show compassion on the people that I'm putting before you. So like that, God said, well, how are you using me on the mission field? So I, I always go to Scripture to figure out the answers. It's, it's uh, the Word of God. So with that, if you look at Luke 7.22, uh, it's John the Baptist asking his disciples, go ask Jesus, are you the one? And what does Jesus tell him? He says, you go back and tell John, the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, the, deaf are ra- the dead are raised, and the good news is preached. So he's using the compassion of health care with the gospel. And there's our answer. We have to take the gifts that we've been given, get it into the hands of the people who are on the front lines of Christianity, who know the language, know the culture, and can share the gospel. So is, are you the answer? Yes, you're part of it. You get to be part of something so much bigger. So... Um, with that, 
in mind in the mission work you've been doing, you have to be challenged as to what you're doing. So why are you going? So if you look at these pictures, this is the typical line that we see in that one, one view is the line we see of people after we finished our clinics. And I kept getting asked, well, Dr. Tom, why are you leaving when there's so many more to see? And then God was making more divine appointments with me. He had a mother hand me a baby who, who uh, she said that in the middle of the night, the baby started making funny sounds, wouldn't breastfeed, was coughing, felt very warm. So I thought, well, it's a typical pneumonia. We're in a, she's in a line of hundreds. And I said, we'll just uh, treat her like we treat everybody. I opened up the blanket and the baby had died. So I thought, what could I have done to educate her or someone who could tell her that that baby was in respiratory distress two days ago? What could we do to impact the kingdom of heaven one life at a time and then share the gospel at the same time? Um, and then, you know, when we go through the airports and our pastor Dogara and our Kenyans see us, well, this is what they see bringing in, right? We have our luggage, we have our supplies, and oh, Lord, we're, they look at us and they come with one van to take us, and then we bring in this massive amount of material as if God wasn't even there. So, uh, so in our, all of our supplies. So we have to look at how we're doing things. Resource in country. We don't need to bring all this in. Empower the people that are there with the resources and show them how to do that so then they can reach out, share the gospel, and, and multiply very quickly the kingdom of heaven. Um, so uh, when we look at this picture like this, this is what we do. We equip people, uh, our partners around the world, with vocational and medical skills to share the gospel. So now I'm going to tell you uh, just a, a beautiful story of a partnership with East West, and we're constantly looking for partners who will, uh, who will be part of that, that, uh, that picture that we have. So what have we learned in these partnerships? Number one, it has to be God-led. It has to be the Holy Spirit leading us in the direction. If your reason for doing missions is not God-led, Christ is not in it, it's not humility then you're really missing out on a beautiful story God is trying to write. So this is why this mission drift and the foreign to familiar help prepare us to go into these third world countries. So are you willing to, to surrender your, your ministry, your mission trip? Is, your, is it prideful that you want to protect and it just frustrates organizations like Empower and iTech when you go to organizations and they're really reluctant to, to open up and hear something different? Because we are constantly casting this vision. I just presented to a ministry here in town who I, I presented our, our vision to them. And they said, you've got to watch these big ministries. They're going to take what you have and they're going to run with it. And I said, well, that's our, that's our goal so that they can run it. So he, he just totally missed the whole point of what we were talking about. So, so it's like, where is where's the humility? He was protective of his ministry. And we get that funding and all the other pieces. So it has to be with humility. You have to be vulnerable, and you have to get these. You have to get this to empower these courageous national evangelists. So, who are these people? Uh, we were um, we were with a lady um, with East West who was taught how to take a blood pressure. She goes into a militant village. The man comes out to beat her with a stick, and he says, "Why are you here?" And he won't let her into the village. And she said, "I'm here to tell you Jesus Christ loves you." And this is a woman, mind you, going into a militant Hindu village. I'm here to tell you Jesus loves you and I want to take your blood pressure. And he goes, I don't understand his compassion. So he sits down. She takes the blood pressure and we kind of laugh because she said it was high. I said, well, he's going to beat you with a stick. It probably was up a bit. <laughs> so he said, I don't understand this. He allows her to come in the village and over the next few days she takes over 100 blood pressures, shares the gospel, and that village is opened up with medical training. So you are going to be part of a great 
picture that God is writing in you. It's not about you. It's about the gift he's given you to get it into the hands of people like this. She said it's like having the armor of God. The spirit, the sword of the spirit in one hand and a blood pressure cuff in the other. It's opening doors. So all these gifts that we've been given, we have to share them. We have to empower these courageous evangelists. We have another partner with East West, as I'm focusing on today, is uh, he's a powerful evangelist. He told us last time we were in India uh, just a few weeks ago with East West that now the, the militant Hindu people, the RSS, they're the equivalent of the ISIS and Boko Haram, when our medical people go in and take the backpack with East West, they took the backpack from him. And we thought, oh, they took your backpack. You know, they're stealing. And I said, why did they do that? He said, no, the good news is they took it so that they would come back. So the militant Hindu leaders are taking the backpacks so that they will come back. And they come back and share the gospel and they use it. So they're being recognized as people of compassion now. And the Hindu doctors are even asking our, the East-West people to come in and be part of their health care system. And their stipulation is, we'll do this because the quality of, of care they're giving is so good, only if we can share the gospel. And, you know, the Hindus, they say... Sure, you can pray to the, pray to Jesus. He's just one more God we gotta we gotta deal with. So, so the doors are opening by empowering with medical care. And then the other is we have to have a strategic um, strategy for global engagement. So what we looked at a few years ago and uh, recently got clarity in that is where is the least access to health care. So when we looked at those places and then we said where are the darkest spiritual places in the world. You can imagine, they crossed over. So then God showed us where, with great clarity where we need to be. It's much of the 1040 window, the global south. And in the global north, which is the terms uh, they were using in Kenya this uh, last month, the global north being you know, the United States, Europe, 70% of the, of the Christians in the world will be in the global south within the next few years. And the other stark um, uh, finding they're finding is the average age of Africa right now is 18. So... We go to the darkest spiritual places. We go where um, there's at least access to health care, maternal mortality high, infant mortality high, where we, can have a, where we can open doors for the gospel and we have to engage the youth. I'm so uh, excited about millennials that come uh, and the youth that's in this conference. You know, my age always says, oh, these millennials, uh, we, we badmouth them until we need something turned into a PDF file and then we've got to go find a millennial to do it. So... <laughs> So, so, absolutely, I love millennials. We have taken these modules now because of millennials who've come on our trip who say, Dr. Tom, I, we, can, we can do a little better with this. And I say, have at it, because I am the generation that's leaving Teach to Transform, and I want this next generation. The same with East-West. Empower the youth. Come along board with us. So we need to have a strategy. So with that, we look at the Global South and the Global North. Uh, for example, in, uh, with the 18 years old in uh, all of Africa, Nigeria is a target for Muslims. They want to launch uh, their, their mission work throughout Africa through Nigeria. So Nigeria is one of our targets. So we want West. So does that exclude the Western Church? No. The Western Church has to be part of the answer because we have resources. We've been gifted with that. But what the understanding is, come be part of our work. Empower the nationals. But your role is going to get smaller. John the Baptist said, my role gets smaller, Christ gets bigger. And that is the whole purpose of our partnerships with East-West and anybody, any other church we, or organization that may be in this room that wants to partner with us. So uh, we have to engage the Global South with partnerships, National Christian Foundations. We are engaging the CMDA 
Uh, and I'll t- the, the beautiful story, we've, we've also gone the next step of empowering. We have had Kenyan doctors, who are the equivalent of CMDA doctors, work with us for the last five years. Our last conference that we had in, in Kenya, we told them, it's time. It's time for you to take this model and, and you go do it. So that we have a mere NGO now in Kenya with our same, we gave them our governance, we gave them our vision statement, and we said, uh, they said, well, we'll be a satellite of TTT. We said, no, we want you to be Kenyans with your own NGO, your own donors, another piece of separating from us. Do not become dependent on us. Our relationship will not change personally because we're going to work together. We'll know where you're working and we're working, but we're trying to do this in every country. We have 20 Burundi students that we're trying to empower. Uh, East-West has people that they have, physicians. So maybe the answer to this is get the physicians in India, in Africa involved, take this model, and then they can train others. So it's a step, uh, even a, a, more, uh, a bigger step of empowering uh, our indigenous people. So, so now we have Kenyan NGO, a mirror of us. So if you ask us, are you working in Mombasa or are you working somewhere in Africa, we say, sure we are. We call up our NGO we're not even going, no Western connection, but you take our, our, Kenyan, our Kenyan doctors who know this model and will help you empower. So it's one step back uh, of empowering others. Then we go into areas that, where there are no written language. We, part, we look for a partner who, who engaged that. It's called Spoken. They turn stories, if you've heard of them, they turn biblical stories um, our written stories into stories. So they said, can we come on one of your trips? You teach the way you teach, and then we're going to turn it into to stories. So they sat there. We did our training. All of a sudden, the next thing they did is they were writing stories, or not writing, but they were telling stories about health and hygiene, about wound care. And now we're getting reports back from them in the Turkana area where the tribes uh, are, are militant. They're sharing our model with, with uh, stories. So... We're looking for partners who can engage and give us new ideas, and we're always open. And the beauty of Teach to Transform and these other organizations that we work with like-minded is that we can go into a big organization and, and present and not be under their, their uh, governance, but we can immediately go in, ask them, would you like to come to a training? We're not asking you to work together with, with another organization. We just want to give you this. Then you go out and see how you can put it into your own own. Uh, uh, hierarchy of your, of your system. So, so we, we want to focus um, on empowering others. So we have to get these national uh, workers involved. Um, for example, in India, we went in and we, we, uh, we empowered 15 ladies who had AIDS. Their husbands were, um, there was infidelity. They were given AIDS. Their children had AIDS. Uh, and there were 15 of them who were survivors. And they wanted to do our health care. So we trained them in that. But uh, alongside them were a young, because there was infanticide in India, these uh, young girls that were part of this training had been thrown away in the garbage. Because in India, if you know the, 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 the financial burden on a family to have a baby girl completely healthy um, is too much and they kill them at birth. So this pastor would go by the dump, take the... Uh, uh, rescue these little babies, and he had 200 girls that he had rescued. And then he said, well, I'm going to take them to an even higher level. I'm not only going to educate them, I'm going to make them nurses. And he's got a nursing program. So with that, the AIDS ladies and the nursing students who were in their 18, 18, 16, 17, 18, they understood the medical, 
But who were the evangelists? It were these AIDS ladies. These 18-year-olds didn't have enough life wisdom and experience to talk to a woman who lost a baby or, or had a problem. So, so when, those, when they went off two by two, they were sharing the gospel. They were using health care, opening the doors. And the stories of, uh, you know, we, we wonder who these people are in this picture. Uh, I said, what was the biggest thing you regret having AIDS in your whole life being marginalized and pushed aside, uh, really, the modern-day lepers? They said the biggest regret we had once we came to know Christ is that we did not show love to our husbands on their deathbeds. What a picture of forgiveness. I mean, we struggle when someone says something bad about us. They actually had so much forgiveness in their heart, they were disappointed they didn't care for their husbands when they were dying on their deathbeds, the one that put them in that position. So they, as Kyle says, kissed the wave that put them into the, drew them closer to God. So those are the kind of people that we are trying to reach uh, uh, to, give this, uh, to give this model to. And we are looking for partners to do that. So what we teach, kind of quickly, uh, you know, you can contact us and we can tell you our program and we, we will come uh, help uh, cast that vision. But uh, we have found the health and hygiene, waterborne illness. You know, we, before when I first started my missions, you know, person had diarrhea, we give them antibiotics. And then at the end, it was asking me, well, they're going to go drink out of that same nasty water. The antibiotics may treat them for a few days. So we talk about uh, germ theory. That's our first piece, health and hygiene, waterborne illness. Then we talk about vital signs, and we teach them how to take uh, blood pressures, pulse oximeter, thermometers. We resource everything in country so that they already have the multiplication in process. Uh, Newborn care at birth, newborn care after birth. And, uh, you know, we are always looking for simple ways to teach. So uh, how many have dealt with newborns? So if you understand, the, in the first month of their lives, they are so vulnerable. And that's why maternal mort- and fetal mortality are so, uh, neonatal mortality is so high. So we have ten warning signs in the newborn. It doesn't take a rocket science. You don't have to talk about physiology of jaundice. But if they can recognize a baby that's potentially going to die in the next 24, 48 hours with these, these uh, warning signs, then they can impact and show such a piece of compassion. So um, Jennifer said, you know, we were teaching this newborn care, and Jennifer comes up with, we call it a little ditty. They don't quite understand that, but it's a little thing to remember. So I'm going to teach you in, in the next few minutes warning signs of the newborn. So it's, they can be either hot or cold. They can have eye infections, conjunctivitis. They can have jaundice, poor feeding, respiratory distress, umbilical infections, pustules, tremors, or they get lethargic. So we do this little thing, and I'm telling you, when we, when we test them on Friday, they all know the 10 warning signs. So we're trying to think of simple ways to do that. Now, you can, you know, after a few minutes, you would know these warning signs. So if you see some baby that looks like that in the bush, you've got to tell them, this baby's in trouble. You've you got to find out where the clinic is to get it to. So that's the kind of teaching we do so we can have an impact. Um, and that was thank you to Jennifer. So this is, uh, this is our group with the nurses uh, working uh, with the nursing students and the AIDS patients, and we talk about health and hygiene. Um, and then, so who are these people? I found this, uh, many of you may have seen this. So this is uh, Ernest Shackelford's uh, newspaper clipping to get them to go explore the Antarctic. So if you read this, it says, uh, for a hazardous, what's it say, for a hazardous journey, uh, small wages, you can read it. I, I'm having a hard time reading it. It's small here. <laughs> Bitter cold, you know, just just all these, you know, constant danger. 
um, you know, safe return, doubtful. So, so this is the students that, that we are engaging. This is their mindset when they go. You know, we had one uh, tell us that he was asked to drink poison. Uh, and then he could go in and share the gospel if he survived it. So Karen and, and I said, my wife, and I said, well, what would you do? He says, well, I drank it because I either get to see Jesus that very day or I get to share the gospel. It's a win-win. So how many of you are in that place? So, so let's get this into the hands uh, of these powerful, uh, courageous, passionate people. So we have to worry about uh, how we do that, and that's again with our partners. And this is the, the, the cultures are colliding constantly when we do this. And then, so our global strategy is to identify least access to medical care, um, the darkest spiritual places, and the lowest incomes in the world, which is kind of adds to your poverty. And this is where we're going to serve, and this is where we're going to target. So we're going to target, you know, Indonesia, India. Uh, Nigeria will become the third most populous country in the world within the next uh, generation. They'll be the youngest. They have the highest mortality. So sub-Saharan Africa is a, is a choice for us. India. Uh, then in Europe, the, we're going to target the, the refugee camps where all of the, the immigrants are coming. So, so this is our targets for, 20, for the next two or three years. It's very clear in our mind we need to do that. Um, and then here's where we've been working in Africa, 27, 2019. You can see the trainings we've done uh, and how powerful that's been. Um, and then uh, just in 2019... We, uh, when I was at the Global Missions Conference, uh, Brenda took a team in uh, to uh, Egypt, and they bought into this module, and they're spreading, and, and I finally got to meet the person who took, uh, took that on, and they, she said, oh, Dr. Tom, I've been wanting to meet you. We have 2,000 of your modules, and we're spreading through Egypt. And I said, this is absolutely wonderful. Didn't even know that. And I said, you know, we've been praying about Chad and, and Sudan to get in there. And she said, oh, you're already there. We have missionaries leaving Egypt, going to, to Chad in South Sudan. And uh, um, I said, oh, my gosh, Christ is moving when we don't even know that he's moving because we've empowered them to replicate themselves and multiply. Um, so I got uh, lots of stories, but I want to turn this over to East West and, and tell you their powerful ministry because it's one of our strong partners. So we got all these partners into Nigeria, and we spoke to this yesterday. We did a training in Jos, and this is all the north of this star is Boko Haram, ISIS. They're killing the Christians. And so we said, these organizations are brought together. And we didn't ask them to work together. We just said, come in and get the training, and you take it, and you go. So when we did that, this is what it looked like. Here's the evangelist that we brought into the training. Look at Nigeria now, covered with powerful evangelists, not us, they're working now, and we're already getting uh, stories of how this works. So fast forward now to, to I want to tell you a beautiful story about our partnership with East-West. So uh, we did a training in the south where there's this blue and this red dot. We went to East-West, and we said, who are very mission-minded church planners. They've never had medical. They didn't want to do the clinic piece. So we went down, and they said, no, this is mission drift. So when we came back, our team was a little disappointed. Well, it's a great organization in over 50 countries in the world. They're church planning. They have strong evangelists exactly where we wanted. So when, the more we engaged them, they thought, well, they had the courage to say, let's try it, right? So no one jumps into the river with both feet to see how deep it is, right? So they put a foot in the water and they said, okay, let's do it with one of our trains with our uh, AIDS ladies down in the south. So they, they sent seven. Those seven people within months witnessed to 3,000. So they said, whoa, this has potential. So let's do trainings. <laughs> yeah, isn't that great? So, 
uh, and it's their courageous step to, to join us, right? So, so then they said, well, let's try here. And now I want to show you what, what this looks like now. Look at India. We just got back. So they said, okay, let's expand this even further. Let's go into Nepal. We had partners in Nepal, of which East-West was one of them. We did one training. Look at Nepal now. So this picture is growing and growing because of East-West uh, opening their, their doors, and now they formed a medical division. And I'm going to introduce uh, Jennifer, who's been take, who has taken on that major. So, so their organization leadership said, okay, we, we like this. Let's, let's create our own medical, and let's take this model and run with it. So we said, hallelujah, we'll walk with you. We want you to, to, we want you to have this model, and eventually our role diminishes. East-West has it, and they're empowering, and the kingdom is expanded. So, Jennifer, it's all yours. So this is, I'm going to, I'll get, I'm gonna get you up here, and then you have this. You'll get my, yeah. okay. <laughs> I, will get you I may just, is this even on? It is, it's recording. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, hi, I'm Jennifer Warrington. Um, while he's getting this up, um, yeah, my husband and I work with East West. We're privileged to be there um, God brought us there. We did not want to serve in the United States. <laughs> so uh, it wasn't our plan. God often, I think I'm hooked to you. Okay. See, that's a partnership. <laughs> I don't we are hooked at the hip. Out of my sight. There we go. Okay, so you'll have to stand there and dance this. Okay, so. great. Thank you. So, um, yeah. okay, so, um, yeah, we wanted, it was our, like, 13-year slow cooker dream with the Lord um, to go overseas, and uh, in that process, I became a, a physician assistant with the sole purpose of using it as a tool to open up doors of access to the gospel in dark places. That was my prayer. God took us long journey to Laos as a family. We thought we were going to go there, be buried there, whatever the Lord had. Two years later brings us back, kicking and screaming, by the way, and then basically plops east-west in front of us, and that was our only option. So God narrowed the choices down, and we went there. And now we can look back and go, wow, God knows what he's doing. <laughs> you know, not what we would have chosen, but just getting to see a lot of how he's working has been awesome. And my role there was uh, basically as they were doing that pilot that he explained, um, God was behind the scenes going, okay, Eastwest says they don't do uh, they don't do medicine, but they just don't know that they're going to do some medicine. And then he was positioning, uh, you know, to me for that role, which I am so humbled to be in. So um, we have, I have loved working with Teach to Transform. So I'm going to tell you just a little bit quickly about uh, East-West and what we do so that it can kind of bridge the gap and tie in. And then I also want to not assume, I mean, I know this is a missions conference, and many of you have way more experience than I have, or maybe Tom combined, in, in missions, but there may be some here who, this is your first gig, you've never done this before, so I don't want to assume everybody knows the same thing. So um, let me tell you a little bit about East-West. But first, I have to tell you the state of the world. And I'm going to just run through a few stats to give you kind of the current state of the world because that ties in with why we exist at East-West. So uh, currently, there's about 7 billion people on the planet. Um, and spiritually, the real reality is that two out of five of these have never heard the name of Jesus. 
So these groups, like Tom was showing you on that map, they kind of congregate, you know, in certain areas of the world, and we would call them unreached. I'm sure that's not a new term to most of you in here, but in case it is, that's a people group that does not have uh, enough believing Christians within their midst to reach their own without outside access. And so basically, if you lived in one of those areas and you were born lived your life, and died, what that would mean practically for you is you would never be, have access to a Bible, never have access to a believer, never have access to any kind of church setting where you could hear, or, you know, website or anything, where you could hear the name of Jesus and know what that meant. So, you know, that's not okay with us, right? That's why we're here. So, um, you know, about 6,738 unreached people groups in the world currently by those people, the they's that figure this out. <laughs> and let's move into resources, okay, because if this is not okay with us, what are we going to do about it? And um, our resources come in manpower and they come in money. So how are we doing there? About 10% of our mission force missionaries go to countries classified as unreached. So that means 90% go to the reach, so 10% are to these areas that we've been talking about. Um, how are we doing on the money front? Okay, less than 1% of every dollar, and I'm not talking of, of, goes to fund these kinds of missions to these unreached areas. This isn't philanthropy dollars. This is the mission dollars, so uh, not, not real great there either. And, you know, Jesus, when he walked the earth in human form, um, so God walked the earth, he said to us, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. And I would say that's still true to this day. So we have some work to do. But, the, it, but it's, there's hope. There's good things going on, like Dr. Tom was telling you and like you've been seeing at this conference. So East-West has existed for about 25 years, and we are okay with this unreached status, <laughs> and so we want to see it become this. We want to take the un out of unreached. And how we're doing that or what we feel like, you know, like he was saying, mission drift, um, our mission or our vision is to glorify God by multiplying followers of Jesus in the spiritually darkest areas of the world. So East-West has a thing where they call it our sandbox. And they say, we play in our sandbox. <laughs> we don't want to play outside. We want to do something well. And so the sandbox is we evangelize and church plant. Okay? So that's why when I first came to East-West and they found out I was a PA, they're like, oh, that's nice, but we don't do medicine. But... They're not just stuck in their sandbox. If anything will help you do that better, they're still open to that, which was awesome. So um, the mission of East-West, and this is a long one, but pay attention to those orange ones there. Uh, we exist to mobilize the body of Christ. So that's us here, I mean, or anybody who's a Christian, right? Mobilize the body of Christ to evangelize the lost and equip local believers to multiply, multiplies huge to us, multiply disciples in healthy churches among unreached peoples and or in restricted access uh, communities. Now, that multiply part is so important because as you saw the state of the world, how are we going to ever get, you know, everybody to hear the name of Christ and have a choice to do something with that? If we're not multiplying and getting it out there, um, we don't want to see that, you know, 10 years from now, we still have the same 
state of affairs going on. Here's where we work in the world. I'll just let you look at that. You know, that's just regions. So we have a lot of work in all of those places. Um, I didn't have a nice slide with dots, but <laughs> but that's the general areas, okay? And you can see that they match up with what Dr. Tom was teaching to transform. Um, and how we work is we want to send, so East-West sends cross-cultural that would be foreigners like us, Westerners, and we want to uh, work with near-cultural field workers to share the gospel, disciple people, and plant new house churches. Uh, we're not doing brick-and-mortar buildings for our churches because we want them to multiply quickly, no barriers. Um, our ultimate hope would be that we would have a national-led church planting movement. So if we're talking about India, we're talking about Indians doing this where they, that church is now discipling its own believers, multiplying them, and the church is multiplying itself, and they're spreading out. So these places are unreached for a reason, right? <laughs> I mean, this didn't happen by accident. The enemy is very smart. Um, he, he wants this to be this way. And the reason these places are unreached is they're difficult to get to. They're difficult to go to, especially for a foreigner. Uh, and they're getting increasingly so. So some of our barriers to getting into these places, our persecution is high, like we were talking about in Nigeria, especially in the north. Um, governments are oppressing. I mean, look at North Korea. You know, I mean, they're not just going to let you walk in there. And restricted access. Uh, a lot of times these places are remote. They're resource poor, like Dr. Tom was saying, and they're hostile to the gospel. So to get into these places, we're going to have to do some uh, thinking outside the box, right? We're going to have to have creative access. And so that is what led us to this divine appointment with Teach to Transform. So I think that's why East-West was open to let's try some medicine because we're always looking for those ways to have creative access into places. And um, in 2016, when uh, East-West met Teach to Transform, the reason we were open to considering it is look at Matthew 9.35. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. This was Jesus' model, right? He would go to a place, he would uh, heal, and then he would preach. And he wouldn't heal to completion always. A lot of times there was more work to be done. He would go off and pray, and he'd move to another place to do the same thing. Um, so this led us to a question of what would happen if we used medicine to open, you know, to, what would happen if we used it like Jesus did? And here's what happened. So uh, in the, he touched on it there. We, t we took seven evangelists who were proven evangelists in India, and they were trained with this model. Um, so they were already know how to share their faith, but we gave them a little bit of an equipping with some medical skills and a medical backpack. Then they got out sent two by two, because we don't send out people by themselves. They got out two by two, and they would preach and heal like Jesus did. And they were telling us the result, and the stats coming back were saying, this is a door opener. And here's what they were saying. This tool is a 10 out of 10. We have never had such access to people. So giving them that medical, those medical skills and that equipment to go in there, now people were opening their doors and wanting them to come in. So we knew we had something. So in 2018 to the present, 
is kind of when I came on and started trying to lay a foundation for this ministry and uh, just now seeing the Lord kind of ramp it up. And we're, we're, we're doing a lot more projects now. Here's the strengths that we found with using this kind of empowerment, teaching, go and teach model of medicine, say as opposed to a go and do model. And you can see this little teeter-totter. And on one side we have, basically this will work anywhere. You could use this in the United States in, in a more reduced capacity. We're even looking at that to reach the diaspora and the people who have the refugee population of how to engage them, maybe with blood pressure screenings or something like that, a way to get them to come to you. Um, but the fields that we're seeing it really shine are the fields that I was talking about those barriers to the gospel, where persecution's high, where people, you can't walk in with a Bible, but you can walk in with a medical backpack. Um, you know, and also, of course, all these resource-poor countries where they don't have access to medicine, then this is awesome. So we're seeing kingdom breakthrough, and the key for me is without dependency. I do not want to create dependency because I steward this gift. And one day I will stand before the Lord, and he'll ask me, how did I do with it? And I don't want people depending upon me. I want them depending upon Christ. Um, also, nationals are empowered. It gives them a sense of dignity. Uh, they're empowered to do their own ministry, source their own equipment. And then they, this go and teach model is yielding results. And I'm going to share those with you here in a moment. Now, one thing we found um, is who we train is key. So this uh, gentleman that I'm not going to tell you his name, but he's from South Asia or India, and he is one of our proven evangelists. Okay, he he he's got he he shares, he gives it away, um, but he has a rabbit church view instead of an elephant church view. Does anyone know what that means? When I say rabbit versus elephant. Yeah, think multiplication. An elephant has like one offspring a year. That's wonderful for the elephant, but, you know, a rabbit, look at the rabbit. The rabbit has thousands a year. So we want evangelists, and at East West is one of our passions, I guess, is we want to have that rabbit church view because we want to take the un out of unreached. So we find that who we train, we want to make sure we start with the DNA we want to end with. So we're looking for these evangelists who are proven. They have this, we train them, do other trainings besides medical in this rabbit church view. But we want to have that. We love training women because in so many places of the world, women are tossed to the side and we want them with dignity like Jesus gave them. Um, plus, there are wonderful uh, ones who are front line with helping babies breathe after birth. A lot of times the men can't. Culturally, it's not appropriate for them to be in the delivery type area in a setting outside of a hospital. So that's awesome that we can train women. People who are obedient, humble, servant leaders, they want to give this away. And then also accountable because if, if, if they're taking a backpack, we want to know how it's working. Um, Again, being a good steward. So currently, you know, since 2018 and kind of laying this foundation, right now we're sitting there with about eight active projects that are going on. Uh, that This represents about 292 national evangelists who have been trained. Again, those key people we're looking for. They're from 104 house churches. And this represents from about four countries. So we've got India, Nepal, uh, Niger, Niger, Africa, and Ethiopia right now. 
Next year, we have about nine field requests requesting this, this kind of training, so it's growing. You know, it's slow progress, but like we've had three or four a year. Now we're seeing God open up nine. And these are from areas like, just like he was describing, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, India, in Africa, very exciting with a couple UUPGs, which is unreached and unengaged people. So these aren't even anybody working with these tribes, but we're trying to do those near cultural people who are, that's our target, who are going to take these medical backpacks and go into those places where they don't even have a church yet or believers. So what does this look like on the field? So these are, this is a busy slide. You're not supposed to do this in like PowerPoint 101, but um, <laughs> I'm going to take you through just a few pictures. So uh, this is kind of what the flavor of it that it looks like for us using Teach to Transform as our medical tool or outreach. So number one there, that's in India. They're doing some newborn care. You know, he taught you the signs of the newborn. So having a relationship, I think she delivered this baby, this this evangelist. Now she's going back to check on the newborn, you know, like a week later or so. And they're actually singing. I got to be there with them, and they were singing uh, praises over this child. So just kind of showing you how it can work. Uh, second uh, picture there, again in India, this lady has been able to get into schools now to teach health and hygiene and, of course, now build that relationship and she's sharing the gospel with, with them and their parents. Um, three and four there is in Nepal, and you can see how you can get into some very remote areas, so going up into the, the mountains of Nepal where villages don't have access to health care or Jesus, and doing blood pressure screenings, and this guy is actually not just doing blood pressure screenings, but they're also showing the Jesus film, uh, engaging people in spiritual conversations, and sharing the gospel. Uh, number five is an is a evangelist. They're doing wound and burn care in a village. I mean, they're doing other things, but that's just the picture of him doing wound and burn care. And I wish I could show you this video, but it's really monotonous, and I didn't know how to edit it because it's kind of long. But this next one, I'm going to play it as I talk. Maybe not. Yeah. Anyway, this lady's in a very remote setting in India. She's just delivered a baby. She's, you, this is just to show you the kinds of places where this is happening, you know, obviously outside of a hospital. Uh, she's, this is on the floor of the hut. And if you could go on with this video, she's just cleaning up the cord now because, you know, she'd already separated the baby from the mama and everything was good on this birth. And, um, but you'd hear roosters and things in the background and her smiling at the end. But anyway, just to give you a little flavor there. Now, how have the results been with this? So we've been using this about a year and a half, and I want to show you the results. First, the medical highlights, okay, because we're medical people. So um, over the course, remember, this is about 292 people that have been trained, okay? So, and these are lay people, right? But they've been given um, some skills, some basic medical skills, They've given some equipment, and now they're going out two by two long after our team has left. Um, so medically, they've seen 570,444 people. That's half a million people. I mean, incredible, right? And I want you to think with the spiritual eyes that this is gospel access. Okay, They've had access to that many people that I could never have had access to. Um, They've screened 131,674 dangerously high blood pressures. So we know in medicine that that's stroke prevention. That's very important. 
in wounds and burns, they've treated 16,291 wounds, 8,102 burns. Again, how do you quantify would these have been infected? Because we teach them signs and symptoms of infection and things like that. So I don't know if it's life-saving, but it was showing the love and compassion of Jesus. Um, they've delivered 14,716 babies. But the key one next is that they rescued 2,975 of those. Those babies would have died without the proper, you know, stimulation, just some simple techniques, ambu bag, teaching uh, that, what, that you can do in those first hours after birth. Uh, they taught health and hygiene and disease prevention to 71,847 people. So to me, this is like... It's proven, you know. I mean, uh, God's just doing awesome things. But I want to now take you into the ministry because this is where we bring it all together, compassion, uh, the healing, and the preaching, okay, and the and the and what really is going to transform is Jesus. So this tool enabled them to get into 3,080 new villages that they wouldn't have been able to get into otherwise. It uh, the number who heard the gospel was 559,554 people. But the number who accepted Christ was 57,630 people. So, I mean, incredible the, what God's doing. The number of house churches that they were able to start were 501. And what I want you to, to see in that red down there is that the number they saw medically is almost the same number that they heard that got to hear the gospel. That goes into our selection of who's come into these trainings because these people want to give it away. They know why they're existing. They're not existing. To, we're not training doctors. We're taking evangelists who want to evangelize and just giving them a tool to make them more effective. Now, I want you to, last slide here is consider this two models, Okay. Believe me, I am not dissing the first model, okay? I mean, there is a place for going and doing. Um, but I want to show you the power of the second model. So model one is the go and do. Model two is the go and teach, okay? Traditional medicine is the go and do model. Go set up a clinic, see people, come home. Um, so in number one there, both teams deploy, right, from the U.S. We take two teams and they deploy. Uh, both are there for some amount of time. Let's say they're there for a week. The Model 1 primary focus is, of course, excellent medical care, right? They want to see a lot of patients, and they want to see them well and treat them well. And a secondary focus, I would say, would be the gospel because you're just not – you can't do both well always. Um, the, sec the, the second model, go and teach, primary focus is to train. We want to equip – take our medicine and give it away to somebody else. Um, both teams leave at the end. Now, the red there shows you when that first model, the gospel, and the medical stops when that team gets on a plane. The second model, and I hope you've seen by the stats, that the gospel and at least basic medical care continue to go on for 365 days a year. So, in one, we have an addition. So if the gospel was shared in that first model, great, but it's probably an addition model. In the second, because we're putting it in the hands of people with the language and the culture, we get to see multiplication. And that's the only way we're going to take the un out of unreached. And that's all I have. So our ultimate goal is to empower organizations and churches Ultimately, what we want to see in the next year or two with East-West is that our role gets smaller 
East-West has enough physicians, uh, not only in the countries they're serving, but also on this side, enough churches involved to where um, I always, my kids always talk that I have FOMO, fear of missing out. Uh, and now we're talking about joy of missing out, as Paul says. Uh, our partnership will go on. We love each other. But ultimately, we want East-West, three years from now, as they don't know Teach to Tra- or the Teach to Transform team, they've got the model and they're running with it. So there's opportunities to join Teach to Transform to empower other organizations. There's also opportunities to join East-West in their movement. So we invite you to be part of the Book of Acts. If you would just have the humility to look at where you're doing missions and then say to yourself, you're not the answer to reach the unreached. You're going to be the gift that gets into the hands of the people who are on the front lines. And once you get that mindset, come, join us, because you're going to be part of something so much bigger. God's given you a gift, and he trusts you with that to go join East-West, come join us. Because when we, if you have an organization you wanted to gain traction with this model, we'll come work with you. East West will come work with you, and then we can work together. And our whole model is to give it to you. Nothing's patented as long as Christ gets the glory. I thank you for being in this room and getting up so early in the morning. There's a time now for questions if you have any. But uh, praise God for you. And let me pray for us before we stop. Our Heavenly Father, we know each person in this room has a story, a divine appointment. Uh, We just ask that their hearts are open for you to speak to them. You are the vine, Lord. We are the branches. We do not move without you. There will be no fruit. And, Lord, we just pray that uh, their hearts have been open. Let them reflect on this this model of empowering with humility, not be prideful of our organization or our way. But, Lord, our ultimate goal is to bring more to the kingdom of heaven, one life at a time. We thank you, Lord, for this time together. We surrender it to you. May you speak to us clearly and hear what you want us to hear and see what you want us to see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.